there. You are listening to the Love and Loss Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry Johnson, and I am on this earth to help you recover emotionally, physically, and spiritually from miscarriage. It's definitely my calling. It wasn't all that long ago that I too suffered three miscarriages of my own and six years of infertility. And I really know how painful and lonely the journey can be. Over those six years, I developed some really solid tools for releasing the emotional pain of loss and for truly healing from the inside out. And I'm here to share them all with you so that you can feel like yourself again. So if you've had a miscarriage or experienced the loss that infertility brings, because there is a loss there too, you are in the right place. And I'm so grateful that you're taking the first step toward healing by joining me today. Let's get started. So today I'm doing something that I've been a little bit afraid to do. I'm going to tell you the story of my first miscarriage. Some of you might have heard this before if you've been over on the Managing Miscarriage podcast, but I haven't told it in quite as much detail as I'm going to tell here today. And what I want to layer in is some of the lessons that I learned throughout my story. So, and there's a couple of reasons why I want to tell it again. First of all, you might not have heard it, and it's really healing for people to hear the stories. Number two, it's also healing for me to tell it. So even though it's been quite a number of years since I had my first miscarriage, I still carry some of that pain deep down inside and it tends to get released when I retell. So, and then thirdly, of course, as I mentioned before, I want to, I want you to hear some of the lessons that I learned so that hopefully they can help you too. So before I dive into the story, I want to just make sure that you are prepared. This may be triggering for you. I am going to get into a lot of detail and some of it's pretty descriptive. So if you're not quite ready for this, I would encourage you to just stop and maybe listen to it at another time when you're a little bit more prepared. Okay, so let's get into the story. It began on Sunday, June the 17th of 2012. That's eight years ago now, but I remember that day so clearly. I was just about 12 weeks pregnant and I went to the bathroom and my heart stopped beating. Blood. Was only a bit of spotting, but when you're pregnant, this is the very last thing that you want to see when you look down. So I called the doctor on Monday morning and I was able to get in to see him. He reassured me that many, many women have perfectly normal bleeding while pregnant, but he scheduled me in for an ultrasound the next day, just in case. And I didn't make it to the next day. So lesson number one, miscarriages don't always happen like they do on TV. So it's Monday evening and I went to the bathroom and my baby just slipped out of me into the toilet. There was no pain, 
there was no real warning. I didn't have, you know, any sort of gush of blood. There was nothing there to tell me that it was coming. No heavy bleeding even afterward. It was so unlike any miscarriage I had seen on TV that I wasn't even really sure what had happened. I just kind of stood there frozen looking at what appeared to be a blood clot the size of a lipstick. I was horrified. I was stunned. I was pretty confused because I really didn't know what was happening or what had happened. And if I want to be completely honest with you, I felt a tiny bit revolted. And I feel so much shame around that. I've never actually admitted that to anyone, but I was just a little bit revolted by what I saw and what had come out of me. I didn't know what to do. I wasn't even sure exactly what I was seeing in the toilet, if it was just a blood clot. That's what I was hoping. And maybe perhaps I was denying what I really truly knew in my heart. But I didn't know what to do. Should I, should I try to get it out? Should I take that tissue with me to the hospital? What should I do with it? Or should I flush? What was I supposed to do? So I flushed. And I would later realize that that moment would stay with me for the rest of my life. I will never forget that moment. Lesson number two, we all feel guilty after miscarriage for something. For me, it was for feeling that revulsion. It was because I flushed. I felt like I didn't honor my baby, that I didn't bury him, do something for him. If you're feeling guilt, whether it's for these reasons or for something entirely different, by the way, I recorded a podcast. It's my very first podcast. Go back to episode one to find out how you can release that feeling of guilt after a loss. I'll post that in the show notes for you so you don't have to worry about trying to remember that, but it's number one. So it might be easy to remember. So back to the story. So I called telehealth. They have this thing called telehealth in Ontario, and they suggested that I go to the hospital. It was the evening, so my doctor's office wasn't open yet. I sat in the emergency room for about two hours waiting for a doctor to do an ultrasound and tell me what had happened, and it was taking so long, and because I wasn't feeling any pain, any physical pain, that is, I checked myself out. I just couldn't sit there anymore. And I figured I could just wait until my ultrasound that was scheduled for the next day. So my ultrasound was at 11 the next day. And I remember so clearly going to that ultrasound appointment and sitting in that waiting room with all these other women who were sitting there with their husbands and they were pregnant and excited. And I was sitting there alone and feeling like I pretty was pretty much sure that I wasn't pregnant. So the technician asked me how far along I was. 
And while I was in there, this is once I got in into the room and she was doing the scan and she said the words that I never forgot. She said, I'm definitely not seeing a 12 week old fetus. Until that moment, I still had a measure of hope in my heart. Even if my brain already knew, my heart was still hoping. That's lesson number three. We will always deny the inevitable until we have proof. Our hearts cannot help but hope until until they tell us that there is absolutely no hope. So I'm going to talk about that actually further on a future episode when I tell you about my third episode. I mean, my third, sorry, my third miscarriage. I'm going to talk to you more about this denial and the hope that goes along with it. So what I learned later was that I had in fact delivered my baby, but the sac had not actually released. And this was why I had no pain and why I had no bleeding. I had a missed miscarriage. I didn't even know that this could happen. Lesson number four, I didn't know what a missed miscarriage was before this. And now I do. What it is, is when the fetus releases and you deliver the fetus, but not the sac. So the sac stays attached to your uterus. So what happened next? The The doctor called me the day after my ultrasound and he prescribed me a drug called mesoprostol. I believe it's also called Cytotec. That might just be the brand name. Um, But mesoprostol, Cytotec, I'll use both of those interchangeably. Basically, it's a drug that's used to induce labor in case it's one that you weren't prescribed, maybe you had a DNC or maybe you miscarried naturally. Um, So it's a drug that's used to induce labor and it has the same effect um, earlier on in pregnancy when there is tissue to be released. So I took it in the morning, a couple of days after I miscarried. And by noon, I was on the floor on my yoga mat, unable to move yet unable to stop squirming. I had never felt pain like that before. It stopped about an hour later, and then it came back in the middle of the night. My husband didn't know what to do with me. The doctor had had said to me that it would be like like a really painful period, and this felt like a hundred times worse. So lesson number four, the experience of mesoprostol or cytotec is different for every woman. And it can even be different for the same woman using it at different times or for different miscarriages, as I found out about two years later. So I'll talk about that when I tell you about my second miscarriage. So after all that pain, I went back for an ultrasound. I was supposed to take the mesoprostol for three days. So I went back. It was must have been about a week later. And the sac was still there. So it didn't work. I was sent to an OB who gave me two options. I could either have a DNC or I could try the drug again. 
And for some reason, I had the wherewithal to ask, what if I did neither? I don't know what made me ask that, but I did. And he responded that I could wait for a certain amount of time and do nothing, but would have to really pay attention and go to the eMERGE if I started to feel any kind of symptoms of toxicity. So this is what can happen if you don't get a DNC or if you don't if you have tissue that's that remains in your uterus that you don't release, that tissue can become toxic. I do have a friend who went through this and you definitely do not want to experience this. She ended up in eMERGE. She was sick for two weeks, I think, and um, was very feverish. It was quite dangerous, actually. So you definitely want to see a doctor after you've had a miscarriage, even if you think that you've that you've released everything. You need to have an ultrasound to make sure. So lesson number five, going back to me asking what else I could do. Lesson number five, be curious. Always ask if there are other options. I had to learn that lesson a few times through my journey to ask if there were more options, more tests that I could do, more opinions that I could get. Doctors never seem to give you the full picture all at once. So after this experience with the OB, I decided to wait and I went to see a naturopath instead, not instead, in addition to the OB. And this was a really defining moment for me. It was something that would change my life and my perspective. So the naturopath gave me a tincture. We had to up the dose once or twice over a few days, and eventually the sack released. And there was lots of blood at that point, but still very little pain. And I remember going to see my naturopath after I did get the all clear ultrasound. And she said to me, she looked at me and she said, so it worked. And I think she was even a little bit surprised herself because she was fairly new to the fertility and and pregnancy part of naturopath, uh, naturopathic medicine. But as soon as she said that, I realized, yes, it did work. And a light bulb went on. There was something about that, that me having made that choice to do my own thing, to wait, to use a natural solution instead of going with a DNC or another round of, of the mesoprostol, realizing that it worked, that a natural solution worked was so empowering. And suddenly I believed a hundred percent in natural alternatives. And from that point on in my life, in every aspect of my life, I would always look for a natural alternative first. And I still do. And this would actually later lead to the start of my business. So it was really a life-changing moment. And that was something that I really wanted you to hear. So if you are still in the very beginning stages of a miscarriage and, and have to make that decision, know that you do have options. You can do a DNC, there's mesoprostol, and there's waiting. So 
Lesson number six, be open to other alternatives. Be open to natural alternatives. You never know when something that will help will be presented to you. So we all get advice. There's people telling us, did you try this? Did you try that? And and quite often we feel resistance to that. I certainly do. I still do. But I've tried to be a little more open to options that people present to me and listen to my gut. Is there, you know, why am I resisting? Is it because this is really not the right option for me? Or is it because it's my ego telling myself that, you know, no, you've heard enough advice, just, you know, do leave it to the doctors. Try to be open and listen to your gut because there may be something there for you, some natural alternative or some alternative, natural or not, that might actually be the right thing for you. So that's as far as I'm going to go with my miscarriage number one story. I do. I did leave out one piece that I'm going to tell you about next week. It warrants a whole episode on its own. So join me next week to find out more about that. Let's just recap quickly on the lessons that I learned through this experience um, so that you can maybe take something away from those. So number one, miscarriages don't always happen like they do on TV. Your miscarriage may be an entirely different experience, both physically and emotionally. I talked about this as well in my latest my, my last episode, 10 things I wish I knew when I miscarried, if you want to hear more on that topic. So that's episode number 10. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Lesson number two, we all feel some sort of guilt after a loss. And for more on how to release guilt, listen to my very first episode. Number three, we will deny a loss until we have full proof. We can't help but hope even though we might know in our minds, our hearts will still hope. The fourth lesson, what a missed miscarriage is. The next one, the experience of cytotech or mesoprostol is different for every woman and for every miscarriage. And lesson number, what are we on? Six. Uh, learn to be curious. Always ask more questions. Ask if there's more options. Ask if there's more tests. And the last lesson, be open to alternatives that come up. People always have advice. And while we tend to close off, we resist that advice. I encourage you to be open. One piece of advice can change your life. Before you head out, I would be forever grateful if you left me a review on iTunes as that's going to help other women who are suffering from miscarriage or infertility to find this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll be back next Thursday with another episode for you. In the meantime, make it a week of nurturing and healing for yourself. Bye for now.